0: we are hanging on in the series beyond belief and we have talked about how we need to care how we need to serve how we need to tell our story and today we're going to focus on how we need to give of ourselves but I'm going to especially talk about money. Ha! All right here we go now. God spoke to our ancestors, the people of the Old Testament. And when he did, I, I firmly, with all my heart, believe that he was talking for all of us who would come after them. So I'm going to start by talking about the aspect of giving. I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff, and hopefully it will plant a seed so that this week you can go home, you can prayerfully consider where God is leading and calling you. So I'm going to start in the book of Deuteronomy. And no, I don't go there very often. But we need to start there as the foundation. This is a, uh, an excerpt from Deuteronomy chapter 26. Now, remember, I firmly believe that God was talking to, the God, to his people, meaning us today as well. That what, that's what it means when we believe that God's word is living and active. Once you enter the land that God, your God, is giving you as an inheritance and take it over and settle down, you are to take some of all the first fruits of what you grow in the land that God, your God, is giving you. Put them in a basket and go to the place God, your God, sets apart for you to worship. Then place it in the presence of God, your God. Prostrate yourselves and rejoice. Celebrate all the good things that God, your God, has given you and your family. Now, I chose that interpretation from the message because just in case you are feeling a bit forsaken or far away from God this morning, through this text, God is reminding you that he is yours, you are yours are his i am my beloved and he is mine now i need to talk to you a bit about first fruits see this is something that greek and roman and hebrew and christian cultures all firmly believed in and it was even a jewish festival the festival of first fruits there was passover which we remember as the the meal that jesus had with his disciples before he was crucified that was a Jewish festival. And then a few days later, the Jewish people would celebrate the feast of the first fruits. Now, as scripture indicates, first fruits means an offering of the first portion of harvest. It's the first and it's the best. It's a time of thanksgiving for what God had provided. Now, for us, it, as New Testament Christians, Christians of the New Covenant, Jesus fulfilled that sacrifice of first fruits for us. In his death, which this just blew me away when, you know, sometimes it takes me a while to put all the, the dots together. But if the Jewish festival of Passover happened right before his death, scholars say that the feast of first fruits happened at the time of his resurrection. Yeah, some of you are going like, yeah, duh. Well, I just figured that out this week. <laughs> but do you see how then that means that Jesus has fulfilled that for us? So this is our history. We're not under Old Testament law anymore. We're not required or we're not living under that law that we have to give of our first fruits. But I believe this is setting a pattern for us as an example of what we are to do, how we are supposed to live to give our first and our best back to God. Great is his faithfulness. All I, we have needed, God's hand has provided. Do you believe it all I have wanted no not so much but all I have needed God's hand hath provided so I want to us to be thinking about first fruits because God he's got a lot of holy two by fours for me lately. But I am being hit yet again, convicted by the Holy Spirit that I'm not giving him my best. I am not giving him my first and my best. In fact, sometimes I'm giving him my leftovers. I want you to, to think about where you are. And yes, now we're going to turn it right toward our finances, our financial giving. Are you giving him your first fruits, the best, the first, the 10% off the top? Or are you paying all the bills and buying all that you want? And, oh, then if there's something left, I'll put money in the basket or I'll write a check to the church. As I said, I have been hit over the head. Now, to make this... uh, Let's see. I want to read something for you. 2 Corinthians, uh, verse 9. I want to to help you understand that this is not a rule or a requirement. But if we're truly going to be followers of Christ, then it should come in and out from the depths of our heart. 2 Corinthians 9, starting with the 6th verse. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things At all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Did you hear those promises of God? If we give of our first and if we give of our best, God says in all things, in all times, we will have all that we need. And you will abound in every good work. Now I know some of you are not even members of this church and you're saying, Oh, I have to sit through a message about giving money to the church. This is bigger than that. Yes, it is about giving money to the church, but it's about our entire life and how we choose to live our life. I firmly believe that God is calling us to give of our best to the master. That's an old-fashioned hymn. But to give of our best... You know, we laugh about that, but for a lot of us, that's how we choose to live our life. That all of the house payment, car payments, the clothes, the hobbies, the credit cards, the education, the school loans, everything goes first. And then God gets our leftovers. And I am convinced, I'm being convicted, that God needs my best, your best. The first fruits. There's a story in the New Testament I want to share with you. Matthew 19, starting with the, twi- the 16th verse. It's called the story about the young rich guy, young rich man. A man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Hmm. Did you hear him? He's saying, okay, give me the checklist. Just tell me what I can do to check it off and then I'll get in, right? Hmm. Jesus replied, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Well, which one? He asked. Jesus replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I've kept. The young man said, What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, and this in this translation means righteous, if you want to identify as one of mine, as my beloved, as a follower of Christ, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He wanted to be all in, just like you and I want to be all in. But then when he asked Jesus, what do I need to do to be all in? Jesus said, give it all up. Give everything to me. And he couldn't do it. I find myself in that place a lot and I, I would guess that you are right there with me. I read a story and I've got to share it with you just as is because it's so powerful. If you have not yet gotten Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman, you've, you've got to get it. Oh my gosh. It's rocking my socks off. Okay. Listen to this. This is about the Knights of Templar, which I, you know, I remember a movie having the Knights of Templar in but that's about all I knew so I just did enough research to remind myself that they were part of the the medieval times middle ages from about 5th century to 15th century but this is the this is the important part when the Knights of Templar would be baptized they would be baptized with their sword but they wouldn't take their swords underwater with them Okay, you're, you're, you, can you envision this? The immersion baptism, you know, they're going under and the swords up above the water. Got it? Instead, they would hold their swords up above the water while the rest of them would be immersed. It was the knight's way of saying to Jesus, You can have control of me, but you can't have this, Jesus. I'm all yours. But who I am and what I do on the battlefield, how I use this sword, that's not part of the deal. And if that was still the practice today, we may not hold up a sword. But more than likely, we would hold up our wallet or our purse I am all in for you, Jesus. I want to be your servant. I want to be your hands and feet. I want to. I want to. But I'll give you my leftovers. God has done incredible things in my life, and I know most of you are experiencing that as well. How can we just give him the leftovers? It's not what we're supposed to be about. Take up your cross. Deny yourself and follow me. That means get that purse, get that that wallet out from behind our backs and say, yes, even this, oh God, even this, my money well, it was yours in the first place. So now I want to give you three things to think about as you prayerfully consider where you are and where God might be leading you to. to and I'm going to jump back to that, that uh, scripture in Deuteronomy. The first thing it said was prostrate yourselves. Well, that means face down on the floor, humble yourselves. Get down on your face before God. I've done that in prayer before. When I have been not just called to my knees, but to fall flat on my face in in awe and reverence and love, respect, realizing how little I am and how big our God is. Humble yourselves. God is sovereign, God is holy. And if we haven't gotten it by now, I need to remind you, I need to remind myself that we were not created. This world is not all about us. And see, most of us, I live as if, hey, the world's about me. What's in it for me? How, uh, how can I do this? Or how can I get that? Just kind of like the young rich guy. But scripture tells us, humble ourselves. Exalt our sovereign God. Claim that God is God and we're not. Secondly, it says to rejoice. I don't know about you, but this morning when we were in full praise and worship, my, my heart was just overflowing. It brought me such joy when I got away from myself and was, was singing praise and claiming my faith and trust in God. We need to be all about praise and worship in our daily life. Praise and worship should always be on our lips. And it goes to that old adage of we should look at things half full, that glass half full instead of half empty. It's all about how we choose to live our life. We can go around and complain about the state of the world or we can live as if we know Jesus. We can do something. It may be a little something, but we can do something instead of sitting back and complaining about stuff. And thirdly, celebrate all that God has given you and your family. I'm overwhelmed by this. And, you know, Thanksgiving Day didn't come until, I forget when Congress made that an official holiday, But way back in the time of our ancestors, God said, Remember, celebrate all that I've done for you and your family. So I've got some homework for you. Today, this week, you each go home and you start making a list of all that God has done for you. It'll be a long list. And then get together, have a family meeting, and share your list. We get so caught up in what's wrong that we don't see what's right. We don't see what all God has done for us. God's calling us to live a life following the example of Christ. So as we think specifically about giving of our finances... I want you to prayerfully consider what God's calling you to do. Maybe you've never ever filled out one of these pledge cards before. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to put God at the top of your list rather than leftovers. Maybe you've never tithed and God is calling you to jump off the cliff and to take this huge leap of faith. To give the first fruits, the first 10% of what you're making. Maybe you've tithed for years and God's saying, all right, keep going, I gotcha, but give more. Maybe you've just given God the leftovers and perhaps he is calling you to make a commitment. I don't know how God's working in and through your in your life. I can only tell you that in my life he's saying put me first. Don't hold back. Enough about the money. Don't hide it behind your back. I want to give God my first fruits. I want to give of my best for him. In two weeks, December 6th, it's what we call Commitment Sunday. You will get your commitment pledge cards today. If you haven't gotten them in Sunday school, you go back to the neatly alphabetized table of commitment cards back in the back. And you get yours. If you don't have one with your name on it, there are single ones available. Then you go home and you prayerfully consider how God's calling you to take a step forward, to take a, a huge leap of faith, perhaps. And then on December 6th, bring this back. You can bring it back before. Or in your bulletin, there's even, it's so cool, you know, we're finally getting up there, that you can do it online. Hmm. You can fill out your, your pledge card online. Do that if it's easier for you. But will you prayerfully consider how God is calling you to act because as I told you at the beginning of this series I firmly believe that if we put our faith into action we are going to be shot catapulted forward we will be blessed we will be blessed let it be so in the name of Jesus